0: Good morning, and I hope you can hear me okay. I'm losing my voice a little bit. I've got uh, Charles Maltby from Epic Gas with us today. We've decided to make gas transportation as simple as possible. So we take that very successful LNG liquefaction and transportation segment, which has been on fire. And we gave them the roll panel this afternoon at 325. We've asked all the propane carriers to take the day off. And so now we're going to focus on all the other gas segments. And so Charles will be here to educate you and to entertain you. And I'm here just to watch alongside of him. Um, we're just waiting for a couple of slides, but we'll get started. We'll get started without them. You know, Charles, before we get into the dynamics of the markets, could you just give us a quick overview of Epic Gas, please? Of course. Thank you
1: very much, everybody. Um, So I'm Charles Maltby. I'm the CEO and chairman of Epic Gas. Um, We're a Singapore-based owner and operator of pressurized uh, LPG ships. We're the largest owner by capacity in the world. And... uh, we've got a current market share of about 15 to 16%. And uh, I'd like to take the opportunity, because uh, it's just the two of us today, to firstly introduce uh, EPIC a little bit, but also to put uh, the LPG sector in context a bit as well, and uh, to explain how uh, the smaller gas vessels fit into the broader picture for LPG. Um, Today, uh, as EPIC, we have 38 vessels on the water, ranging in size from 3.5 to 11,000 cubic meters, an average age of eight years, so it's quite young. Uh, We do all the commercial and technical management in-house, so we're a fully integrated uh, shipping and operating business. The production uh, globally of LPG is growing, and uh, we've passed over 300 million metric tons last year. It's an important part of the energy supply chain. And it's been driven by fundamental uh, demand for gas uh, as an an energy solution alongside the availability of U.S. shale, the recovery in oil prices. And uh, of these 300 million tons a year, exports uh, or global LPG seaborne trade accounts for over 90 million tons. They've been growing year on year uh, for the last five years um, over 8% a year compound. And it's been an exciting part of the shipping sector to be in. We're forecasting growth this year slightly lower at 3.9% for a global LPG seaborne trade. So Epic Gas, oh, hello, we have some slides. Uh, So Epic Epic Gas, uh, we're an integrated part of this global LPG supply chain. We're involved primarily in the last mile delivery, of LPG into the uh, smaller ports on a global basis. In 2017, we moved about 2.2, 2.3 million tons of that 90 million tons that was moved. So uh, that's what 2.3, 2.4 percent. If you look at the overall entire pressurized LPG sector, it's responsible for moving 13, 14, 15 percent of global LPG. So it's by no, no means a small part, it's a meaningful part of the overall supply chain. Our sector, uh, like most, has been through four to five years of record low markets, largely driven by oversupply. But since the end of 2016, we've seen an increase in utilization, increase in demand, reduced supply, and, and a gradual recovery in freight rates. Uh, the rates for the smallest vessels in our fleet are up between 20 to 35% year on year, and for the larger vessels, a uh, more modest 5%. The forward supply and demand curve for our sector looks very good. Uh, Maybe 1% gross fleet growth each year for the next three years. Uh, And after scrapping, it could well be uh, net fleet shrinkage. Maybe, Jim, if I hand back to you for a few
0: seconds. If we could just take a couple minutes and talk about and help us understand the liquefied petroleum gas industry. Can we talk about the types of gas, the end users, what do they use it for? What are the top producing regions? What are the top consuming regions? We, when you deal with, with propane and natural gas, you've got major exports out of the US, major exports out of the Middle East, with most of it going to Asia. With your gas business, it's far, more, it's far more complex than that. So just help us understand the gases, the uses, the producers, and the. So eh. maybe take us to uh, slide
1: six, maybe. Yeah. Back a Whoops. couple. There we go. Great. Thank you very much. So uh, as I said earlier on, uh, 300 million tons a year of LPG is produced. It's produced as a byproduct. Um, 60% is produced as a byproduct of the exploration for oil and uh, methane, LNG. Uh, And about 40% is produced as part of the refining process. Uh, So you tend to see uh, longs for uh, LPG uh, out of uh, North America, the Middle East, Russia, uh, where there is significant oil and gas production and also coming out of uh, major refining uh, districts uh, and zones. Uh, so we're moving um, LPG at a macro level um, from those zones into uh, either the chemical chain uh, for the bigger ships, for the BLGCs, or for the smaller vessels. It's going into end user LPG demand. Uh, so we're looking at bottled gas in the case of what most of our ships are delivering for. Uh, so that would be used for uh, cooking, heating, autogas, Uh, and smaller scale uh, power plant, uh, power production.
0: And if we can just put up the complicated map of, yes, of your roots. Yep.
1: So pressurized uh, LPG, where do we fit? It's Very much, we're part of the uh, supply chain for LPG going from those major districts I mentioned earlier. So North America, Russia, Middle East. But often uh, the long miles are done on the big ships. And then the shorter last regional miles are done on the smaller ships. The big ships can't fit into many of these ports. The pressurized LPG ships, the smaller ships, uh, smaller semi refs can fit into over 400 ports globally. And uh, it means that uh, we're doing very much last mile regional delivery. Uh, you can see here on the chart, uh, the green uh, is where the ships in the global pressurized fleet are trading. We track every single pressurized vessel. There are 330 in the global fleet. And we can tell you where any of them are at any moment in time. As part of that, of course, about 40 of those are ours. The, um, Trade, as I said, is global trade is 95 million tons, about 14, 15 million tons a year are going on pressurized vessels. We can see good demand growth coming through, uh, particularly in uh, the developing economies, uh, driven by ready available supply of global LPG itself. It's really as much to do with the push of LPG as a commodity supply, which is what we touched on earlier on with the big growth in uh, U.S. exports and Russia, but also Underlying fundamental demand for LPG uh, as a commodity as a cleaner energy solution in developing economies
0: Over the last three years since the trough you've had between three and four percent year-on-year growth in in LPG seaborne transportation What would it take for that to accelerate further is it incremental supply or is it or is it more demand needed?
1: Thanks. Uh, Should we just move on to a
0: slightly different slide?
1: There we go. Um, The uh, overall demand for our commodity, for the the commodity we're carrying, we're carrying 75% LPG, about 2.2 million tons a year. And then all of our vessels, along with the rest of the sector's vessels, are capable of also carrying uh, PET uh, basic PET So about 25% of what we carry is PET But just sticking primarily to LPG for now, uh, the the demand growth is driven by dozens of uh, small-scale investments into new terminals, new distribution plants, small power plants, all over the world. And we can pretty much point to any country on the map Uh, which is a smaller developing economy or an island or a country where the population is fragmented rather than dense, uh, and uh, identify growth projects for LPG demand. Some examples, uh, in uh, the Middle East, for instance, Iraq uh, has been coming back online as an exporter of uh, LPG with uh, joint venture projects with some of the oil majors uh, driving the infrastructure investment and upgrade. Uh, They're exporting started again in 2016. Uh, This year, it's up 270% year on year. All of these exports are going into pressurized LPG ships for delivery within about 10 to 12 days of Iraq. So we are dropping down into East Africa, uh, India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and so on. And that highlights the the regional nature of our trades uh, in that uh, the average voyage time for our ships is maybe six days at sea. And then you've got the port days each end. So typically, on an annual basis, we'd be doing 2,400 port calls uh, on a fleet of 40 ships. So it's a very intense trade. It's frequent port calls. And uh, it requires a very hands-on operational requirement. And that's why it's useful to manage your fleet and commercial uh, in-house rather than to outsource it. You have better control over what's going on. And it's what the customers who are the blue-chip oil majors expect from you on the, uh, exa- another example maybe be in the caribbean uh, where we've seen uh, good growth on small scale power plant projects uh, for propane and butane and those plants have been coming online in the last 2-3 years uh, it, some projects take 2 to 3 years to come from idea to fruition some have taken less than 12 months and we've been working with the uh, traders and the shippers and the receivers to help those projects go live in the brochure for capital link Uh, Today there's a photo of uh, one of our ships working uh, on an island in Honduras. It's uh, very typical of this kind of trade where you've got very small ports, very shallow water, very simple terminal infrastructure, Uh, but the only way that LPG is going to get in there is on a a ship of our type, a pressurized LPG.
0: If we go back, And look at the global fleet now and if you look at the bottom half of the page can you talk us through and, and you see the number of vessels here yep so you see the number of vessels here and you see the percentage of lpg fleet capacity here you obviously live in a segment where a lot of ships control a relatively small amount of liquid. Take us through the dynamics of the market.
1: Yeah, I mean, as I, as I touched on earlier on, because the, sh- the voyages are relatively short, uh, we get more bang for our buck. We carry a lot more cargoes, because the churn on the ships is relatively high uh, on the voyage durations. So uh, whilst, um, for instance, the fully pressurized and semi-ref account for a total of 17% of the, uh, the fleet capacity, they are carrying way more than that in their market share because uh, they're loading and discharging uh, far more frequently. Um, the fully pressurized fleet are effectively the cheapest way of moving a cube of gas from A to B uh, in a small volume. And that's because they're the cheapest type of ship to build. If you're looking at capital investment cost, they're 20 to 30% cheaper than a semiref. Uh, 20% cheaper than an ethylene vessel again, and it, it just adds up. And the reason the pressurized ships are, are cheaper to run is because they're basically just two very large tanks uh, where the gas is carried under pressure. You don't need pumps to load or discharge to cargo. You don't have to have uh, significant refrigeration um, coating insulation on the tanks to uh, keep the cargo cool. And uh, it also means you don't have to invest into your shoreside terminal infrastructure. Uh, You can have a similar, very simple, uh, terminal infrastructure for the storage of the gas uh, when you take it ashore. Uh, It's a very simple but very effective way of ensuring delivery of low-cost energy to developing economies.
0: They're not here to speak for themselves, but there's been, over the last couple of years, there's been a little bit of consolidation in the uh, VLGC segment. What is the, what's the scope for M&A, either vertically or within your segment? You're 40 out of those 300 ships, roughly. Yep.
1: I think, uh, obviously, a lot of people would love to hear a comment about M&A today on the VLGC sector, but we'll maybe step past that one. Um, From from our point of view, it's a sector that benefits from consolidation. This is very much our point of view. Uh, Once you have a platform in place that can deliver robust quality uh, and safety to the blue-chip oil majors around the world, as Epic does, as many of uh, the larger competitors do have, uh, it becomes a very easy platform to bolt incremental assets onto and to grow the business significantly. If we look at our sector, it's a fragmented sector. There's uh, plenty of opportunity to look at owners who've got one to 10 ships and uh, vessels that are maybe five years old coming off their original charters. Uh, so there's good opportunity to grow within the LPG sector and within the pressurized LPG sector.
0: Before we move on to the overall dynamics in the market, let's, let's move forward and talk a minute about your customer base.
1: Thank you. I, I think um, across the whole of the LPG sector, this, uh, um, the logos in the bottom left there, that's typical for any ship owner in the LPG sector trading internationally. It's very much a blue chip customer base who's either in control of the, sh- the shipping terminals or the refineries uh, or in charge or control of uh, the receiving terminals. Uh, all the petrochemical plants. And then, of course, you have the big uh, traders, the Petrodex, the VTOLs, the Trafiguras, and so on in in the middle there, um, playing the arbitrage on the different sources of the commodity and the receivers. And for us, it's the same. And uh, we have a very high retention rate on the customers, as does anybody else within the LPG space. And it's really important to uh, maintain high-quality assets uh, with a high record of safety and quality so that uh, those customers are safe with the fact that they're entrusting you to carry gas into their billion dollar refineries or terminals um, or petrochemical plants uh, or loading from them.
0: We've talked a little bit about the demand side. Let's talk a little bit about the supply side as it relates to new builds and scrapping and how your segment is different now than the LP, then the larger L, the VLGC segment? Yeah.
1: So, so, obviously, uh, supply um, has been high for all shipping sectors in the last five years. And pressurized LPG in the smaller ship sector is probably running two years ahead of everybody else. Uh, our peak delivery years were 2014 to 2016. And uh, we're looking now at a forward order book uh, where there's 1% gross fleet growth each year for 18, 19, 20. There's a few issues as well as to whether that could even grow substantially because new build prices have not come down. They've gone up. Uh, We're now back to maybe long-term average uh, pricing for LPG vessels. And there's signs that they could push further. There's also question marks over yard capacity uh, with it having been taken up. With uh, other vessel types, Uh, for any LPG vessel, you have to have uh, both a yard that can build the hull and then a tank manufacturer to build the tank. And you have to thread the needle on getting both of those to be available at the same time. Uh, And then we've also got uh, issues like 2020, which are being debated heavily everywhere else today, um, which leads a ship owner to to maybe just think twice, think three times before actually ordering a new build, because you're not quite sure whether you want it to be dual fuel, traditionally fueled, scrubber fitted or not. Uh, So that's factoring in also the exchange rate. All of our ships are built in Japan. And that uh, means we also have exposure to the yen dollar exchange rate, and that can also be a factor in slowing down new build ordering. So we we can't see there being a material change in in new build orders for for our sector in, in the short to medium term just because of that, even though there's an underlying recovery in the market rates.
0: The level of scrapping, has it exceeded your expectations in the past year?
1: Yes, scrapping has been picking up across the full LPG sector, whether that's uh, the smaller vessels, such as ours, or the larger VRGCs. And uh, that's driven uh, not just by market rates, uh, so obviously the bigger ships have seen increased scrapping due to the lower rates, but also by the, uh, the, the, the timing of the ships when they were built originally. LPG ships tend to last a long time. Um, in the last three years, we've seen record low rates for our sector, the average scrapping age of a ship is 28.6 years. So it's not like we've seen the low rates drive scrapping down to 15 years. It's come down from over 30 years to 28.6 years. This year, scrapping the average age of ships scrapped is actually more like 30 years. Again, it's gone back up, but the scrapping levels have maintained for our sector because of the uh, historical build of when the vessels were built. Quite put it quite simply, uh, 30 plus years ago. The sector was very new. There weren't that many ships built, so there aren't that many to scrap. But as we've come into the 1990s, there were increased new builds in the 1990s, which are now coming into that 25 to 30-year time frame for for being considered for scrap. And those ships are going for scrap. So we're seeing uh, scrapping levels maintaining and even maybe slightly picking up still this year. There are two uh, types of ship in in the smaller gas sector. There's the small semi-refs. Uh, and the small pressure vessels uh, there's about 325 pressure vessels about uh, 90 semi ref vessels nobody's really building the smaller semi ref vessels for the reasons i mentioned earlier which is they're more expensive to build but they don't really do much more than a pressure vessel can do they cost 20 to 30% more to build in yard and have higher opex costs so as those older smaller semi ref vessels are being scrapped the pressurized vessels are taking on their trades and seeing increased demand growth uh, from that side as well.
0: And since we only have five more quarters to discuss it before it happens, let me ask you a couple of IMO 2020 questions. Question number one, where does LPG potentially fit in in the future as a marine fuel? Number two, although you're in the smaller segments where the scrubbers are probably not part of the conversation, how does it affect your decision-making and how does it affect your, your, your competitors' decision-making? Yeah.
1: So uh, LPG is a fuel uh, we believe in passionately uh, because we think it's a much more simple solution than LNG, whilst also delivering all of the environmental benefits that you would see uh, compared to uh, high-sulfur or low-sulfur fuel oils and gas oils. Uh, the supply chain for pressurized LPG, or for LPG, sorry, to any ship is pretty much already in place, in that there's 330 smaller vessels already trading on the water. And just as an example, as part of our operations, every year today, uh, we did 415 ship-to-ship operations last year, just as we are already, which is significantly more than any bunkering operations for, say, LNG uh, So the expertise and the skill is already in place uh, and the tonnage is already in place to uh, deliver LPG to ships and it can be done very simply. Uh, So so we see LPG as a good solution for ship owners and for ships but obviously uh, we recognize that there's a solid momentum behind LNG as another solution as well. Uh, In regards to scrubbers, uh, the number of... uh, tons a day, our typical ship burns, so somewhere between 10 and 15 tons a day, combined with the fact that we're in port an awful lot, uh, average sea voyage time is six days, means that both our absolute fuel burn and uh, our fuel burn as a percentage per year uh, of days at sea and so on is way lower than many uh, ship owners. Secondly, also, we're in port a lot already, and that means we're already in a 0.1 percent sulfur zone, not a 0.5% sulfur zone, so a lot of our ships are already burning 0.1% because we're in the even lower zones already. Uh, So for us, uh, fitting a a scrubber um, is not an economical solution even over five years, unless you uh, attach yourself to the view that for five years there will be a $400 arbitrage between low-sulfur and high-sulfur fuel, uh, which nobody's really predicting at this point. So, so we're not investing in, in scrubbers. Uh, we are investing in making sure that we have the operational uh, skills and capability to manage the rollout of uh, low sulfur across our ships all over the world in a professional way, where the engines run smoothly, where we've got the right lube oils, where we've got the right testing going on, and uh, we have the right charter parties in place with our customers.
0: And I want to give you a chance to talk about the sector Fundamentals. Vessel values this morning said that they were uh, excited about. Uh, if I got it right, they're excited about LNG and tankers, but neutral on gas carriers. Are they too confused about the larger LPG ships? And 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 let us and give us a reason why we should be more constructive on the uh, smaller LPG segment.
1: I, I think it's all about supply and demand, isn't it? And. Uh, We've got uh, 1% a year gross fleet growth each year for the next three years on the smaller vessels, maximum, that's before scrapping. And uh, the demand side, historically, it's ranged bet- uh, between about 35 and 8% each year for the last uh, eight years on the, on the demand side. So uh, this year, maybe it's 3 or 4%, but um, it's still way higher than the fleet growth. Uh, So we're seeing rates recovering strongly. Uh, As I said earlier, uh, the smaller vessels we have, we've got uh, year-on-year rate recovery of uh, between 20 and 35% for the threes and the fives in our fleet, and uh, about 5% for the uh, larger vessels. But we're seeing utilization, which is a a good lead indicator of the actual rates, uh, going up uh, even more quickly. Uh, So we're back up to about 95% utilization across our fleet right now.
0: Uh, Where's utilization and day rates relative to the last peak?
1: Um, On the smaller ships, we're back to about long-term average on the day rates. Uh, On the larger ships, we're still below. and uh, utilization, uh, we're running at uh, close to 100%, uh, which is basically you can't go any higher. So that, that's, a, that's a peak. Um, and uh, on, the, on the larger vessels, we're running at about nine, uh, low 90%. So there's still room for another 3%, 4 5% recovery. For us, uh, 1% uh, utilization means $1.5 million to our bottom line. Uh, so it's a big driver of uh, the bottom line earnings for any business.
0: And when you get back to those peak rates again. I won't have to wear the Ridgebury hat when I sit next to you. I can wear the gas.
1: Yeah, we'll have to get you one for those, yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Cheers, Jim. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for your interest in uh, LPG.